0: Hi, my name is Kunal and welcome to the Geeks of the Valley podcast, which connects with some of the brightest minds globally, who are leading their respective industries today to discuss the hottest upcoming industry trends and how their work is affecting the global economy. What started off as a coffee chat has now grown into a global platform for visionaries. This morning from Zurich, Switzerland, we have the COO and Global Head of Nomura's Wholesale Digital Office joining us. Please welcome, Olivier Dang. Olivier, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, great to be here.
0: And how are things with you in light of COVID?
1: Uh, in Switzerland, it's uh, pretty much back to normal, so it's, it's great. We're finally able to uh, meet people, travel, that's, that's fantastic.
0: No one, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, let's uh, jump into the first question here, shall we, Olivier? Yeah, great. So tell me about yourself and your background and how it led you to the path of joining Nomura as the COO for the Wholesale Digital Office.
1: So I have quite international background. I'm half French, half Vietnamese, I grew up in Africa and i have a telecommunication engineer. And after university, we co-founded a mobile internet startup with a few friends, which we sold in 2004. After that, I decided to do an MBA at the London Business School, and then joined McKinsey for a couple of years where I advised banks and private equity funds on their strategy. I then joined Nomura in 2011, and Nomura is a hundred year old bank with its roots in Japan and a global footprint. But it remains a fairly lean business for global banks, so you can do quite a lot of innovative projects, and it can move relatively quickly uh, for a financial institution. At Nomura, I had various roles in London and Hong Kong, and more recently now I'm based in Zurich where I am the global CEO for the Wholesale Digital Office. That's a team that we have set up about three years ago uh, with a mandate to support the digital transformation of a bank and bring new technology and new product inside the organization. And I really love this role because it allows me to merge all my various skill sets such as uh, technology, strategic thinking, financial expertise to really drive the digital transformation of the bank.
0: And, and given this, Olivier, how is uh, Nomura looking at crypto? Uh, there seems to have been some big news around uh, Kamenu, the crypto custodian, uh, which was incubated by Nomura.
1: So at Nomura, we are very uh, bullish on the world crypto ecosystem. Personally, I started to get exposed to it back in 2015 where I joined a meetup in Hong Kong where Vitalik was talking about the Ethereum network and its potential use cases, which uh, I found fascinating. So as a bank, we strongly believe blockchain is going to be or is one of the most transformative industry for financial services over the next decade. Um, When we started uh, to look at how we could get exposed to the asset class back in 2018, we quickly realized that custody was one of the key foundation piece for us to be able to expand into the asset class over time. Um, there was no obvious solution back at the time, so we decided we should, uh, we should enter into space and build a custodian, a regulated custodian. Uh, but given the technical challenges, um, we decided to partner with uh, players in the ecosystem. So we launched that joint venture called Comainu with um, Ledger and Coinshares as uh, co-founders and uh, spent time developing the product uh, applied for the necessary license. And now Comainu is a regulated custodian in Jersey with a few billions of assets under custody. And it's serving institutional clients, including crypto exchange, asset manager, uh, and a few governments as well to uh, safekeep their uh, crypto assets. So overall, we are um, now continuing to expand into the asset class and I can talk about that a bit later.
0: So Olivier, uh, most recently, there has been this big push within the bank uh, to move into security tokens, uh, stable coins, and CBDCs. How is the bank uh, making this push and getting everyone on board to jump into this space, especially when looking at this from a legal and regulatory perspective?
1: So unlike crypto, which is a new asset class in its own right, for security token and CBDCs, those are really digital representation of existing products, such as a share certificate, or in the case of a CBDC, digital representation of a a fiat currency. And those are products that we are active in today, whether those are digital format or traditional format. So for Nomura, we have no choice but to get ready for that. As you said, it's a highly regulated space, so we need to proceed cautiously. In the case of CBDC, we primarily provide uh, advice and support in industry forum uh, and uh, to regulators on how to design CBDCs. As you know, very few countries have live uh, CBDC, only China really at scale has a, has a CBDC currently. For security token, we are active in Japan with a joint venture called Boostree with two other Japanese institutions on the uh, JD. And Boostree is developing an issuance platform primarily targeted to mid, uh, small to mid-sized issuance. Uh, it's done a couple of tests primarily on real estate deals, but definitely it requires a much more clarity from a regulatory standpoint around the treatment of token in Japan, both from the tax standpoint as well as, well as the legal standpoint. Outside of Japan, uh, we are partnering with a sustainable finance insurance platform that does tokenization of green bonds and green loans and track ESG KPIs on a permissioned blockchain for monitoring purpose. This I'm very excited by because it's really bringing the efficiency of a blockchain, both in terms of transparency, data collection, to the ESG market. So overall, I'd say the regulatory agenda is improving globally, but still a lot of inconsistencies depending on jurisdiction. But now we even see large countries such as France uh, getting into it with a very recent uh, license given to, to Binance, for example.
0: So given the variety of initiatives the bank uh, is part of in relation to crypto, uh, what is the long-term vision uh, which you guys are aiming for?
1: So, as mentioned, we are quite bullish on the asset class. Up till now, we've been involved primarily as an investor or a JV partner into the infrastructure space. We have built that custodian that we've talked about earlier. We have done investment in crypto exchanges, uh, Bitcoin settlement platform, security token platform, smart contract auditing platform. But now we would like to become more active directly in the ecosystem. So we we are now active on Bitcoin futures and option trading, and we explain how to move towards physical products and services. We talked about uh, regulation a bit earlier, so that is still a constraint for us in order to move quickly into that space. But ultimately, we want to build a crypto broker uh, active across a number of products in trading, investor product, investment and support of protocols and projects in DeFi and Web3. And I would say that vision is increasingly shared by our top management who are recognizing the opportunity associated to the asset class and the growing client interest that we, that we see. And as a bank, there is a lot that we can offer to our clients given our obviously existing relationship with them and the reputation that we have as a more than a hundred year old organization. So our vision is to really Offer a digital set of products to our institutional and retail clients that can give them exposure to yield and the diversification of the crypto asset class. How we want to do this is in partnership with players in the ecosystem. You know, why replicate if we can source it from uh, experts? But there's no doubt as well, we would want to build internally some of the capabilities uh, in order to retain and extract some alpha. And then as we progress into the asset class, but also drive a significant digital transformation of our back and middle office, uh, which will transform how we manage and support our existing products. So it's really a virtuous circle as we continue to expand into the asset class and then uh, leverage the benefits of the digital transformation to our traditional product.
0: And taking a step back, as you build out the crypto team at Nomura, how are you thinking about attracting and retaining the appropriate crypto talent, as well as new talent uh, from universities. What, what is the thought process here, Olivier?
1: That's a good question. The, the war for talent is very fierce and, and challenging. Um, there's no doubt about that. What, what we do internally is run uh, internal hackathon every year. Uh, and uh, this year we decided to add a crypto event as part of this in order to identify internal talents that would be interested to shift to crypto. We had some success in this with a number of people, especially in technology and trading, who are working at a personal level on crypto projects. And now we are trying to move them into our team uh, in order to, to support the growth uh, of, of our uh, and execute on our vision. We are also looking to extend those hackathons with a few universities that have a strong blockchain program in order to tap into talent early on. We don't really have an incubation program or a competition uh, that would allow employees to then uh, get, receive funding from the bank. Uh, so that's something we may consider in, in the future. But as you pointed out, then uh, attracting talent is only one part of the equation and we need to retain it. Here, there's no doubt it's difficult. We need to uh, offer to our especially junior employees the opportunity to work on exciting projects and give them flexibility uh, for research, for uh, analyzing various opportunities, but also guide them and making sure we are all working towards a common goal. And then if for any reason, talent decides to leave, then we still try somehow to retain them in our ecosystem. So for example, I recently uh, lost one of my team members, but managed to convince him to join one of our portfolio companies. So at least we don't completely lose the, the talent. Obviously that happens sometimes. But there's no doubt, it's, it's very tough. We compete against a uh, technology company. We compete against overbank and obviously the crypto native. And right now, uh, those are really uh, providing an attractive route for, for, for especially junior times.
0: And we've really spent this whole conversation talking about crypto, but I think people forget to ask, what is it that an investment bank or a commercial bank can do that crypto just cannot replace?
1: So crypto is fantastic. It's fantastic for decentralization. It's fantastic for democratization of finance. Uh, things like DAO are great to provide a framework for the governance and the decision-making process across numerous partners. And same for DeFi. It's great to reduce the role of uh, intermediaries into the value chain. However, when we need to conduct large transaction, whether it is in the advisory space or the financing space, relationship and trust remains fundamental factors and trust is really underpinned by a combination of uh, uh, multiple factors like you know licenses from tier one regulators but also more importantly our reputation of standing by our clients and doing the right things over the last uh, the last hundred years and that's not so easy to replicate It does take time uh, and it does take a lot of effort to to put that in place. So that's not something that crypto firms can replicate uh, uh, like this. The um, ability for crypto native, uh, I think will be at some point limited to capture market share as we grow and extend into larger ticket size. Um, And there is definitely a need to have a local presence that is going to drive buyers to entry. That being said, I think, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, crypto firms, crypto uh, banks will continue to gain market share as the asset class becomes increasingly digitized. So for us, for banks, we have to be active in the space and make sure that we don't get too distant in the arms race right now.
0: So Olivier, to wrap up our call with our last question uh, for the day, uh, what piece of advice would you give to people out there from the journey you've had so far in life?
1: It depends a lot, I guess, where you are in your career. But for me, I would say what has pay uh, payoff usually is to take risk early on uh, when you don't have a lot to lose. Uh, whether it is in the form of um, you know, trying uh, and, and joining a startup company or traveling uh, to take a new job on a different continent, but allows you to learn a lot of things and uh, develop your skill set much faster than if you stay in a, in a stable job. Um, So for me, I think that's probably one of the most important advice is that you, you want to maximize your risk early on in your career when you don't have a lot to lose. Like I say, for me, I I traveled a lot and work across many continents and the exposure you get to different culture is actually extremely useful as you then try to uh, work on different problem or different situation, you can leverage a whole different kind of uh, Nationalities, different uh, people with different backgrounds can can try to resolve that. And I've always found multicultural teams always tend to come with better answer to a problem than uh, the one that are staffed by a, by a single creature. So go explore, take some risk. I think those are the type of advice I would give for people interested into uh, into building great career over time.
0: And Olivier, for people interested in catching a cup of coffee with you or being on a zoom call, uh, what would be the best point of contact?
1: Yeah, people can ping me on LinkedIn, uh, Olivier Dong, Nomoram. Um, I'm between Zurich and London most of the, the week. So very happy to, uh, to grab a cup of coffee with uh, talent or companies interested to, to work with us. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to this.
0: Olivier, it was a pleasure having you join us on Geeks of the Valley. And thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It was great. Thank you very much for having me.
0: This podcast is brought to you by PyTone, an Asian-based open source enterprise software company. PyTone offers a suite of software applications and infrastructure services to scholars and universities.